All right. <laughs> um, Should we just wait for heavy breather over there to fuck off? Charlotte. Can you please fuck off? I mean this in the nicest possible way. <laughs> Lots of love and everything else. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, girls and boys. Welcome to Fireside. <laughs> Your daily dose of weekly, your, fuck weekly, weekly, fucking weekly dose of double D's, oh, oh double D's, oh, oh. <laughs> anyway, yeah, welcome to the episode. Oh, you, you're recording. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Oh my lord. <laughs> yeah, the uh, illusion of the flash is gone. Oh yeah, right, like that was one. Hey guys, welcome to episode 31 of Fireside. On this episode, we are going to discuss Seven Wonders Duels. Duels? Duel? Duel. Where's the box? Duel. That's what I said. Just ignore what I said before. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Deus Ex Go, Hitman Go, Lara Croft Go, i.e. the Square Enix Go series, and Boss Monster. But more importantly, beer. Beer. Sponsorship has finally uh, paid off, in a way. I don't have to pay for it. <laughs> In other words, Dan has brought the beer. <laughs> it's Cricketer's Arms. Ooh. Cricketer's Arms IPA. I'll do the opening. You, you do, do the opening. talking this time. All right. Ooh, I've never done this bit. <clears throat> you have to talk like a wanker, apparently. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Captain's IPA. This Indian pale ale was crafted to honour the brewing traditions of a beer that journeyed by ship from England to the Indian colonies. In an era when the ship's captain were inked swallows as proof of his sailing prowess. Hang on, what? The ship's whoa, 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 captain whoa, whoa. wore inked swallows as proof of his sailing prowess. The he had a chatter of captain birds. swallowed the ch- as proof of... <laughs> the ship's captain wore inked swallows. Oh, so in other a, words, he had a bird, bird tattoo. Yeah. As proof of his sailing prep. Well, then I'm just reading the label, Dave. You don't do this to me. I should be nice. Captain's IPA is brewed using two specialty malts for a rich toffee flavour with a complex fusion of aroma and bitterness hops to deliver an intense yet smooth taste. It tastes fucking beautiful. I can tell you that right off the... So I wanted to to get you to bring an IPA onto onto the podcast and then I thought, fuck it, why can't I? Yeah. Yeah. Um, he could have also just asked. I could have. <laughs> but, you know... Or jump on the forums and make an anonymous suggestion. <laughs> so we'll talk about right. this one at the I'll end. I'll put that at yeah. the end, yeah. Um, so what's our first game? Duels. Seven, seven Wonders, wonders Duels. Mm. So Seven Wonders, I already loved. Yeah. It's um, no secret that I've got a bit of a man crush on Antoine Bowser as <laughs> far as games go. Um, don't know what he's like as a person. Don't really give a crap. His games are fantastic. And um, Seven Wonders Duel doesn't disappoint. Yeah. So it's a two-player game as opposed to Seven Wonders, uh, which is a, what, three to seven? Yeah, something like that. Something like that. So it's basically a two-player game that's built around the same base concepts. Uh, Well, no, not the same base concepts. You're not drafting. Um, The same base concept of building up a city, um, you know, raising your... um, Resources. Commercial sectors, your resource yep. generating sectors, your um, artistic sectors, science, military strength, all this sort of stuff. 
And then working your way towards the end of the game where the game ends in one of three ways. Either you, you militarily, militarily dominate your opposition and the game ends instantly when a little marker gets up to a certain point. Um, or you achieve scientific su- supremacy. So you collect seven of a particular type of card. Or you get to the end of the game where you just run out of cards and then you add up victory points. So not unlike Seven Wonders, it is a game where at the end you've got a little notepad and you're calculating how many of all these different things. But unlike Seven Wonders, it is way, way, way simpler. It is none of this, right? That squared is the this, that, and if you've got three of them, then cube that, and that'll give you the score this way. Spanish and a Sid Chrome Toolkit. (laughs) So, to to me, Seven Wonders Duel is the absolute perfect reduction of the parent game. Mm. Um, It has all those elements around, as you just said, the resource management, science, and military might, and things like that. Um, But it is perfectly simple to set up uh, and, and reasonably quick to play. I think... The latest game we played was probably only about half an hour. Um, it take, yeah. Seven Wonders itself took a good 45 to an hour, I think. Um, well, to be fair, though, you've only played Seven Wonders with me once, yeah. right? So was that was the game where I was explaining game. it, I think, to two or three of you. So that yep. was your first time playing. Once you get your head around Seven Wonders, right. it's a lot quicker game. Because much like this, it's played over three ages. And the ages are a certain deck of cards. In Seven Wonders, you're drafting. In this, they're all laid out as a pattern on the table, and you take it in turns to either take a card, trash a card, or exchange your card to build one of your wonders. Yep. Um, But there's a set... How do I describe it? Because there's a set number of cards, and you've got a set process to acquire those cards, there's... There's a, a pretty set time limit well, on the it, game. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's a finite game versus Seven Wonders feels a little bit elastic towards the end. If, is, is that what you mean? No, I mean like, all right, say Dominion. Right. Right? The game of Dominion ends when three piles are empty or um, provinces. the provinces are all yep. gone, right? And then you add up the score. The game of Seven Wonders and the game of Duel ends when you run out of cards. And there are X number of cards on the table in Duel... Um, what is it? Look at the box. I think there's about, I don't know, 30, 30 or 40 30-ish. cards yep. on the table. You're taking it in turns to take a card. Each time you take a card, you're lowering that pool. You can see when the thing is going to end and you can strategize accordingly. Yep. It's not a hidden end like uh, uh, Dominion. You can be playing and then you can go, oh shit, the game's about to end. Uh, yep. You know what I mean? Yeah, it yeah. doesn't sneak yeah, up on you. It's, it's yep. very visible, which again, um, what was that other game we talked about? Oh, um lanterns last yep. week yeah. um, when we're talking about that and that's the same thing because you can see how many cards are left in the game you can strategize accordingly which yeah, I really really appeals to me yeah look I think um, it's funny because the latest game you and I played the, the score ended up so close well you didn't think though right <laughs> no, because I think oh, grab, I've, I've the got pad. the box yeah. here so I've got the uh... but uh, I mean I think when, when adding up the, the first few sets of points um, so uh, what have we got here? So what's the the blue is culture? So just to, just to clarify, we're not going to go into how to play the game because the the scoring mechanisms are so complex where we'd yeah. need an extra twenty minutes just to explain it. I'm going to do a video about it, but basically it's all about set building. So you draw cards from those visible. Imagine like patients, the ones that are turned up at the bottom. Uh, uh, the visible cards you yep. can draw one into your hand and then if you unveil any cards underneath you flip them up at the end of the game you score up all your points so 
Looking through the score lines, um, so in the first, uh, let's say, the first five lines on, on the score pad, um, so blue was, was science. Uh, sorry, blue was your uh, culture. culture. Yeah, so yeah, I've got 33 buildings. points on that. What's the pyramid? Is that architectural construction? Pyramid or are your wonders. Right. Oh, of course, your wonders. So between that alone, I got 43 points just on those two lines, whereas you only got 20 points. So already on... Well, what was my total score? Right. But by the time we got to the other end... No, no, no. Not your total score. Mine. 51. So I was six ahead of you at a total score, and you'd only had two out of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, no, eight. Sorry, eight scoring. Which game are you looking at? Is that I'm just game? looking at the sheet. It says one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There are eight different things, yep. cards, types that you score. Oh, yeah, yeah, So yeah, my yeah, total yeah. score was 51, and after scoring just two of the card types, you were at 45, and we were like, yeah, you've won by a landslide. Yeah, but in the end, the, the scores were 55 to 51. That's what I was, yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's the crazy bit. So in those first five lines... Uh, Four of yours were, I don't know, three of yours. I mean, if we look across, what did you say? There was eight. Yeah. So we've got one, two, three, four, five of yours were single-digit scores, um, and only four of mine were, and I had a couple of big double-digit scores in there, but it was so close. Yeah. In the end, it was so close. Look, again, that's we were saying that about, uh, about Lanterns uh, last week, where that is the hallmark of a good game, where it seems like someone might have run away with a whole lot of points, Hang on. By the time you get to the other You're end. a liar. Six out of your eight were single scores. Zero One, two, is three. a single score, motherfucker. Listen, single scores. You're right. I was only looking at the numbers. I was only looking at the numbers. You're absolutely right. There are, there are a couple of dashes in there. But one, two, three, four, five. Well, that's funny, actually. Six out of both of ours are single digits. Yeah. Uh, and then there's double digits in there. And, but... You know, I had a lot of lower single digits, whereas you had the higher ones. Yeah. It all just worked out, 55 to 51, even though I had a 33-point line in there, yeah. you know, which is more than half of my score, <laughs> yet by the time you get to the other end, there was only four points difference. So the thing that makes this game great is that it's a simple game, but with an underlying level of complexity that allows for an amazingly... Differing variety... Yeah, varied game. Variance in strategy, right? Like this game we played just recently, um, I purposefully made sure that I purchased pretty much all of the wood production facilities early on, knowing that every time Dan had to buy wood, because I had dominance on the market, it drove up the price of wood for him. Um, And that might not necessarily sound fun when describing a game. It, it, that's the sort of thing that I actually do think sounds fun, but I can understand how hearing it in that way, people might go, yeah, great, economy. Ooh, that's what yeah, I want in a well, fucking game. Yeah. But it's well implemented and easy to follow in a way that it, it, it concentrates on... How do I word it? It's implemented in such a way that it's not complicated... It just becomes a natural part of your strategy when you're looking at what cards you're going to pick and you go, ooh, I'm going to get that because that makes me stronger with this. I don't necessarily need to have... Or, or more importantly, it just makes it harder for your opponent or more expensive for your opponent to achieve their objectives. But yeah, and it's the same with... Um, so you can you can either take a card into your hand, build it by paying the cost. You can trash a card and get two coins from the bank. Or you can use it to build a wonder, as I said earlier. For every card that is a yellow card, which is your commerce cards in your hand, when you trash a card, you get a bonus. So if you had three yellow commerce cards in your hand, 
um, and you trash a card, you get two, as per the standard, plus one for each card. So every time you trash a card, you get five. Yeah. So again, that's a... It probably doesn't make much sense without explaining but that's, the game. That's, but that's that, the key, though. When yeah, you look at all these different the, cards, the variety and strategy, it's the yeah. multiple different additive properties of each card. Mm. And, and there's an element there of um, I'm trying to put my finger on. There's a bunch of games, that, you know, plenty of games we play where you know, like take Machikoro, where it's like stacking value upon value. Um, that that suddenly the magic comes through where you go, well, shit, I, I didn't realise, but I've acquired five of these. Mm. Yellow cards. If I trash that, I'm going to get seven coins out you of it. You did just bring up Machikoro. You know that's going to make me say, yeah, but there's no fucking luck involved in seven. <laughs> that's right. That, that's Actually, that's what I like. So the way the cards are laid out on the table and the way you draw them ensures that it is a 100% strategy-based game. Oh, definitely. It, there's a, yeah. a very small element of luck. Well, um, it's an element of taking a chance, mm. but I wouldn't equate the two. Because no, it's, it's not like Machikoro where no. you're... If you don't ever roll a seven, you'll you, never be able to take advantage. If you of take this. a card off off the, the the marketplace or whatever that is in the middle, that exposes, let's say, two face down cards. That so, what's going to happen there is yeah. you're going to turn two face up cards. You have no idea what opportunity you're about to present your opponent. So it's a calculated That's risk. Odd, very calculated yeah. risk, and, and often doesn't work out. <laughs> well, last game we played, I remember yeah. not taking cards I wanted because I thought. Well, I'll Same. get that one that I want less because I know that's going to reveal this and I'm pretty certain Dan wants to get that. So I, I remember, and I remember <laughs> one of my turns I did it because I intended to build a wonder that gave me an extra turn straight away so I would get the immediate benefit out of the two cards I was yep. turning up. So again, there's that strategic element. You can, everything you can do, every part of that mechanic can be used as part of a strategy. Yeah. And I think that's the key. Yeah. So look, um, if you yeah. if you like strategic games, it's only a two-play game. Um, which works perfectly. Exceedingly well. Like, it is It is probably... You know, I, I use the word favourite quite a lot. This is probably my favourite two-player card game that I've played. I, I played this with Kirsty. I played it with Dan. I played it with um, Strangers at um, Games Lab a few times. I, I never, never don't enjoy playing this game. It's just got... That much wriggle room that if you feel you're being blocked out in one direction, you have so many other ways to gain strength. Yeah. You, you never feel that there's someone. There's no uh, what's it called? King king building? No king making. Yeah, king making. There's there's no way you can strengthen yourself out of any possible recourse for any other player no. in the game. It's beautiful. Oh, look, and I know I know it's repeating myself, but I, I have to say it again. It is the perfect reduction of the original game, that that parent game. And mm. uh, uh, I can't recommend it highly enough. Yeah, I, I actually think I prefer it to the parent game. I know that's it's yeah. a different sort of game, but I'll start up a two-player game. It's a lot duels. more straightforward. Duel, sorry, yeah. not duels. Duel. Duel. Before I, um, yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, next game was one I wanted to talk about actually because I recently did. Ready for a plug? Um, a <laughs> gameplay video showing you how to get gold on all the Deus Ex Go. Um, levels on um, Android. So what I wanted to talk about was the Go series of games. So first of all, I played um, a game called Hitman Go. I was already a fan of the Hitman series, yep. so it was a no-brainer that a, a mobile game was going to be <clears throat> going to be enjoyable. I didn't quite realise just how enjoyable I was going to find this game. <laughs> so all these games follow a the, the same basic premise. The way they work is it's... It's a turn-based game, so 
you can stop, look at the board and think and do nothing and no one will be doing anything. It's not a responsive game in that thing, in that aspect. There's no time limit. There's no yeah. time pressure. So in yeah. each of the games, there's a grid, for lack of a better word. Um, and you can move from point to point on that grid, which is set space... Um, set space, what's a bloody word? Well, no, I mean, they're a single move apart. There's, there's... Yeah, single move. Yeah. And when you move, any enemies on the screen will move as well, according to a set of rules governing how that particular enemy moves. So in um, Hitman Go, it's a square-based grid, and um, the aesthetic is very much like a board game. Yeah. Like, each level is shown as a, a cardboard box, I know. partially I open, that. I and that. all the characters <laughs> are little standees. Yeah. Right? And they're awesome. not standees, um... You know, no, they're, they're just, they're just miniature things. figurines. And when you yeah. yeah, when you move them, they do the little tilt. And when you take out an enemy, it just knocks them off the board and they go and land oh, with a little clack. Not only clack. knocks them, yeah, but they make that clacking sound. Yeah, That's, on the I side. Love it. Like, I love it. On the yeah. side. So every board is actually a square. But anyway, so your goal... So in Hitman Go, your goal is just to get to the end of the level without dying. Yep. Um, there are certain enemies that if you stand right in front of them at the end of your turn, they'll attack you. Um if you attack them from the side or the back, you'll knock them out of the game. You have to strategize and find the best way to get to the end of the level. In Hitman Go, they also give you the added um, bonus of um, um, additional objectives. Yeah. Sometimes it'll be get, get through case. in X number of goes, yep. get through in the... yeah. Get the briefcase, get through with no kills, get through with by killing them all. There's exactly. a whole, cloud, kill There's a whole, whole bunch of yeah. extra... So some of them require only a single objective get to the end. Others might require... It's like you know other games where you can get one, two, or three stars to complete a level. Yeah. It's effectively, and most of them. Oh no, I don't liken it to that because these are actual individual objectives. They are, but but the only way to achieve most of the three objective levels is to play it at least twice. Yeah, but that's not the same as three stars. No, three I, stars I agree. generally. But it's that whole replay. Yeah. It's it's yeah. about driving that replay. But Hitman yeah. Go does it perfectly because it the objectives are varied enough that... I mean, admittedly, by like the seventh chapter, I've only just started it. I've rebought it on... Um, um, Android. Android. I think I sent you a message because it was like two bucks or three bucks. Yeah, I grabbed it straight away and I yeah. love it. Yeah. So, and then there's the other one, uh, Lara Croft Go. So that's a much more stylized, like um, polygonish, um, hand-painted art style. And when she runs between spots, it's... All the movement in, this, in it is animated. Right. Um, the extras in that are finding these hidden little jars that contain treasures. But the mechanics are very level. similar to Hitman Go. It, it's all the same. Very sort of similar. But, yeah. but for example, you run up and, and it's about moving pillars yep. so that you can access this standing on cracked ground that the first time you stand on it, it cracks. The second time you stand on it, you die. Yep. Luring monsters that will follow you and making them. So it's very, it's a very, very different game again. Yeah. But it is just as much fun. And then you get into Deus Ex Go, which personally I find to be the weakest of the three. Right. It is the most impressive looking. Um, it's all about stealth. It's all about luring and making enemies behave in a certain way so that you can take advantage of that. And navigate your way to the end, kill them, get to the end, etc., etc. But it didn't take me very long to finish Deus Ex Go. Three, yeah. da- three days, and I was recording all the levels to get gold. Wow. Um, I recorded them because in that game, uh, Mankind... Shit, what's the name of the game? The new Deus Ex came out. Bought it day one. I haven't even uh, fired it up yet. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah that one. Anyway, that yeah. came out. And if you finish... 
a certain like if you get it if you finish the game you get two praxis kits if you finish it with gold you get another praxis kit if you do the first week of challenges you get another if you do the second you get another so you can get five extra free praxis kits which are their cunt bag microtransactions <laughs> for the uh because <laughs> you've got to have fucking microtransactions yeah, anyway so in the main game they've got these microtransactions where you can buy praxis kits yep. you can get them free by playing the the thing um so I was a little bit disappointed with how easy it was. The game looks much better than the others. The structure is much better. It's got oh, really? a beautiful story. They've definitely come a long way. Because I think Hitman Go looks fantastic. I love the styling. I love the... They, but each yeah. one looks different. So right. Deus Ex looks like it's a, a video game on set paths. Yep. Lara Croft has a unique style but is very much a puzzle game. And Hitman Go is 100%, let's make this look like a board game. And yeah. it's all about strategy. Yeah, absolutely. Hitman and Lara Croft, they're absolutely fantastic in my mind. Deus Ex, I'd say wait for it to be on sale. But yeah. So you said you've been playing... So I, gra- yeah, I grabbed it Hitman Go. You, know, you, you told me it was on sale and I went and grabbed it straight away. And it was fantastic. Mm. Uh, almost finished the first box. I'm on the final level of that and then I'll move on to the next one. Um, and, and I think, you know... The, Look, I love the original Hitman games. Hell, I even enjoyed the movies. Not many people did. I actually I haven't did. actually seen the movies. They're great. Um, I, I had no problem with the movies. Mm. Um, I don't know. Something about Assassins appeals to me, right? I like Assassin's Creed. You know? yep. I think it's because at, at my core, I love being a sneaky bastard. So <laughs> I love watching other people be yeah, sneaky. I don't think it's sneaky bastard. I know you're joking, but I think it's the the level of strategy. It's about strategizing, not running in all guns blazing, right? It's about strategizing your move and and executing on the perfect plan. Hmm. So the thing I like about the Hitman Go is it's it's very Hitman-ish in that it's about your, you know, it's an incursion into into territory, whether it's some rich man's estate where you're trying Hmm. to get to him on the tennis court and take him out. He's your mark. But along the way, there's guards patrolling and all that. So... Already in your mind, if you've ever played any Hitman game or watched the Hitman movies, that's what's already in your mind. Mm. They've even got the the Italian opera music playing in the background yeah, for a lot when, of these levels. The boss levels. That, yeah, yeah, that totally feels like you know that part of the movie or that mm. part of the game, um, and and just you know along the way on, along those set paths, there might be a couple of things like a pot plant. You can hide behind the pot mm. plant. You know, and and so the enemies don't see you, but you can use that strategically to to change direction without bumping into an enemy and getting caught. Have you have you got the sniper rifles and throwing no, that, rocks and there, cans yeah. and that yet? No. So the cans and the rocks are there. So okay. along those paths, you can pick up a can yeah. or a rock, toss that onto a neighbouring path or or space and lure all that, the, are, yeah. that lures all those guards to that space, and you can again use that to your advantage, whether mm. it's to lure them away from your, from your objective or put them in a place where you can take them all out with one hit. So. Um, I look. I, I really enjoyed it. I think yeah. I think it's done really well, and uh, um, I'll, because of that, and because of what you said, I'll probably go and pick up Lara Croft. Yeah, I'd hold off for Deus Ex, but yeah. you know what's interesting as well? I was um, playing it uh, just recently, and, and Indy had a go, and he enjoys it as well. He's uh, seven. I didn't think he'd enjoy the strategic. Which one did he play? The so, Hitman. Hitman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was playing Hitman at the yeah. time. Um, I don't know. It seems it's pretty straightforward. Yeah, it gets more complicated as you go in. Um, so the the variety in how you navigate a level and the I don't want to spoil it for you. Um, oh, there's trapdoors and stuff, so you can jump to other sides of the level, and then there's this, that, and the other. But keeping in mind the way that so in all these games, you know how I said they all move at the same time. 
there's actually an order. You move and then the enemy moves and then yep. you move and then the enemy moves. And that's important because it's all about positioning. It's and all knowing about guard ahead. routes. You've got to watch the movements. You've got to look yep. for the patterns. You've got to work them with those or yep. around them. Yep. And every game. So the first two games, Lara Croft has spiders that follow a certain pattern. And then it's got snakes that stay stationary. And yep. it's got boulders that follow a pattern. Hitman Go, the color of the shirts, yep. indicates how someone is going to move. Yeah. Deus Ex, it's a little bit more ambiguous. Deus Ex throws in special things where you can turn invisible. True to the game, sure. Yep. But they don't throw in any tutorials. And they change what skills... So you get these little um, blue triangles, right? Yeah. Start of the game, it turns you invisible. About halfway through the game, it turns you invisible. Or it allows you to remote hack a thing. Right. So there's a lot of hacking involved. Yeah. You can control turrets and floor spaces. It's, it's awesome. Don't get me wrong. Um, and then near the end of the game, you can use that same blue icon... Yes, please. Um, to shoot someone. Right. Which begs the question, why the hell wasn't he shooting them with a stun gun from the beginning of the game? But it doesn't... So, Lara Croft Go and Hitman Go do a fantastic job of introducing you to game elements and teaching you yeah. in the game. Without text, they yeah. teach you how to oh, play it's it. it's incredibly easy to pick up. Yeah. Yeah. Deus Ex doesn't. It throws right. shit at you without explaining it properly. And, and anyway, I'll probably... Talked for too much, but yeah, look, in India well, loved it. I, still, I think they're fantastic. An enjoyable format of gaming on the, on the phone. Um, I haven't even bothered with the tablet. They're perfect on the phone. Yeah. yeah. Challenge-wise, I think Hitman Go is my favourite. Overall, just basic enjoyment. Lara Croft is my favourite. And Deus Ex is last yep. on all fronts, but it's still fun. Like Definitely check them out. Yeah, yeah. So they put them on your wish list if you're Normally seven ninety nine each, but yeah. I think it's uh, 4 bucks for Lara Croft at the moment or 3 bucks for, for Hitman, yeah. yeah. Very good. All right, folks, we're going to take a break. Uh, hopefully about a 30-second ad. We're, we're hosted on Wooshka now, so uh, this is something we're just trying out. We just started last episode, so we're keen to, uh, keen to hear your thoughts, by all means. Give us your feedback. Um, Dave will let you know at the end of the episode how you can get, re- get in touch with us. Um, but here we go. All right, welcome back from that amazing ad. Oh, <laughs> such fantastic, fantastic advertising. Jeez, they're good. Yeah, They're yeah. so good. I love them. I'm going to laugh if we listen back to that and find that the end oh, that, that they've inserted is like for... Come and see us on Wooshka. Come to the knitting convention at <laughs> the Melbourne Exhibition Centre. <laughs> Many different types of wool. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. Uh, what was that last game? Ah, yes. Boss the game monster. that we played. Okay, oh, so... I loved it. The next game, I'll just thunk that down beside the microphone so you guys get a nice thunk in the ear. That's fine. Um, oh, hang on. I'll just... Cheers. Cricketers Arms. Captain's IPA. The um so Boss Monster is a uh, a somewhat unique game. Instead of being instead of playing as a hero trying to make it through a dungeon, you play as the boss monster trying to build a dungeon, luring the right sort of heroes and shattering their hopes and dreams. <laughs> now, I first played this with uh Andy, who is a writer at another dungeon. And we borrowed Nell and Rand's copy and, and, you know, I read through the instructions and it was a little bit ambiguous and we played and didn't enjoy it very much and we tried it again. (laughs) I looked at a video online and played it again and went, eh, I really didn't enjoy it very much. And then I recorded a gameplay session with Paul. Yeah. And because, I don't know if it's because I had to understand the rules a thousand percent because we were doing an instructional video. Yeah. I loved it. 
absolutely loved it. We played it. I understood the rules a bit better. The, the one rule that we hadn't clarified properly was that you can... Um, uh, I, I won't get into that. Um, <clears throat> I won't get into that now, I should say, <laughs> because it's not going to make any sense to people. So, look, first and foremost, the game is a 100% a tribute to your old oh, NES-style 8-bit classic. Absolutely. Right? just took me back straight away yeah. to the 80s. The box art, yeah. it's got that Atari 2600 colour oh, colouring. Slash the, Nintendo. Like, yeah, it's well, the Nintendo-style boxes. I mean, look, the... Just uh, a perfect homage. It really we played, is. We played the Boss Monster 2 Special Edition. Um, I'll put a, a photo up in the credits. And and the sleeve that goes over the box is Super 100% Mario Super Mario yeah. 2. Yeah. Unbelievable. It's it, the, you know... I can't, we looked this game up too, but the, the, the box inside the sleeve was another Nintendo game. Yeah. Just yeah, they're, absolutely fantastic. But it's more than just nostalgia. Like yeah. every single card... You know, there'll be a. We we're looking at one character, and it's a Pokemon reference. Yep. One's a Samus reference. One's it, one's clearly all, Prince of Persia. There's yeah. just so many different references to all those games. Yeah. yeah, but the core of the game itself is fun. It doesn't yeah. need those references to be great. They just make it greater. Yeah. Um. So you play as a boss monster. You've got a bunch of room and spell cards that you can play at a certain amount of time. And on each turn, you basically build a room in your dungeon. And then lure heroes that appear in the town based on their preferences. So say there's a fighter, right? He's looking for stuff to kill. So he'll go to the dungeon that has the most swords. Basic play is that they go through resolving the effects on each card, taking a certain amount of damage. If they make it to your boss monster card, then they do a hit point of damage or two hit points, depending on what type of hero they are. And you put the card face up beside you and that shows that you've taken a hit. If they don't make it to you, you put it face down and that means you've killed the hero in your dungeon yep. and you acquire a soul. Get 10 souls, you've won the game. Take five hits, you've, you've lost, lost the, the game. game. Yep. It's, it's pretty simple. much as simple yeah. as that. Yep. But then you throw in spells <laughs> and there are reactive uh, and passive spells. Yeah. Spells and there for are, yourself, spells you can play against others. Yep. Uh, and you can upgrade dungeon rooms. You can, you've got a maximum dungeon size, so you can only build five rooms maximum. And that's where I was saying before, one of the mistakes Andy and I made the first time we played was we didn't realise that you can build a base room on top of anything. Uh, So once we had five rooms in the dungeon, we were like, well, all we do is turn up heroes until someone wins or loses Uh the game. We can't play any more cards because none of these rooms are destroyed. Um, But yeah, I think it might be that. Either that or it's um, something to do with the fact that I played, well, we played. Boss Monster 2. Right. So I only bought Boss Monster 2 because it was a limited edition. Yeah. I'm ashamed to admit that, but it was cheap. It was a limited <laughs> edition, and I went, you know what? It looks cool. I want to play it again because I really want to like the game. I love the. It's a little bit like... Um, I was going to say Fireside, not Fireside. Firefly. <laughs> Fistful of credits, you know. Yeah. I don't like the game, but the components in the base game are good enough that I figure even if I hate it, there's enough there. I can take the cards and make my own game out of it that I will enjoy, and I'll end up with something that I can play. Which, as it turned out, to be Small World Underworld. Or Underground. No, 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 no. Not trade. I mean, I can take the board. I know. I'm just... Okay. No, I traded Dead Zone for... Oh, uh, did you? I yeah, thought you were trading... Good reference. Five, don't you yeah. listen to our podcast? No, I don't. I only record Jeez. it. <laughs> oh, yeah, you bring beer. Um, but, yeah, look, I, as it's so... Dave doing his painted a, it's a boy beer God move. damn it 
was I saying before I decided to <laughs> give a neck job to a beer? Um, um, yeah, I was I was pleasantly surprised when playing with Paul. We played the demo game, which he won, um, and I enjoyed. And then we played the recorded game, which of course I won. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. You never win off camera. You only win on camera. Actually, yeah. in my defence, I did give him a, uh, a mulligan on a shot because he made a mistake in the first one um, so that he could keep playing. But... Um, Look, and, and I absolutely loved it. Yeah. And when you play with the proper rules, and we, we do have the uh, the video coming up this weekend. Um, actually, it's two videos because it's, what, 30, 40 minutes? So we try to make the videos only 20, 30 minutes long. Yeah. Um, with stuff like the Witcher Adventure game, we split it over four one-hour videos because that's just... <laughs> it's just a monster game. Yeah, it's yeah, just, it's just a long yeah. game. But yeah, anyone who's prepared to sit down for that much of a, <laughs> that much of a game probably doesn't mind. Anyway... Um, that's neither here nor there. When we sat down to play it, thoroughly enjoyed it. The, the versatility and, and the the variety, it does still feel a little restrictive. It does feel a little bit like I'm at the mercy of the cards that I draw and there's not a not a great deal of strategy I can apply, but well, there's enough. Look, the game you and I fun. played, the game you and I played, I, I found, I think the, the bit that I appreciated was that there... So you said that when it comes to luring the heroes to your dungeon, mm. um, you can use that to your advantage or not. And and I think that's an important part of the game that, that needs to be understood because mm. you can you can actually, depending on how you play your cards and which rooms you build and which rooms your opponent builds, you can potentially influence it in such a way that a hero who might have a fair bit of strength actually attacks your opponent's dungeon, not your own, mm. and potentially... You know they lose some some health out of that. That that's something that hasn't quite been sort of discussed because I found myself looking when when you and I were playing, looking at oh shit, well this one likes um, let's say it was swords. Actually, just to interrupt you for a second. So the way it works is at the start of each turn, two heroes appear at town in addition to whoever's already there. They have an icon on their thing, so say a cleric icon. Yep. If Dan has. Two rooms in his dungeon that have a cleric icon, his cleric value is two. Yep. My clerical appeal is also two. Say if I've got one room that has two. The way it works is when you go to the lure stage, so you build your dungeon, you lure, and then there's the adventure stage. Um, and the way it works is that if both of us are the same, then... The hero right, stays in town. Yeah. So that leads into what you're about yeah, to so say, it, I imagine. It is entirely, about... entirely possible that... And, and here's the key, right? So at the start of the build phase, you're putting the cards you're going to build are face down and then you effectively play them together. Yep. So you don't know what your opponent's going to do. But you can make some educated guesses and if you know your opponent well, you can make <laughs> some pretty good guesses. So we spend <laughs> half as much time trying to guess what the other person's going to do. As you and I want to do. But... And I think that was the cool thing, right? So you, you're looking at this particularly strong hero that's about to attack. He's attracted to, to let's say, cleric uh, rooms and, and things like that. You know that he's going to make it all the way through, through your rooms because your rooms are not strong enough to kill him. Mm. You don't want to take the points. So you, you play your cards in such a way that you're hoping will influence the hero to go to your opponent's dungeon. Oh, you mean he wouldn't... He Oh, yeah, he would make it through my dungeon. Well, maybe he wouldn't. That's the whole point. But if he wouldn't make it through my dungeon, why would I send him to someone else's dungeon? No, my point is, if he wouldn't make it through yours, I would try and send him to you. That's my point. So let's say there was a hero there, he was strength... Let's say we got into the second deck, he was strength 20. I haven't mentioned the second... Shh! Spoilers! Spoilers. 
Let's say there are two types to... of heroes. At the start, you've got normal heroes. And then once it's that deck is depleted, you, you get epic heroes. It's not a spoiler at all. You get epic heroes, which are uh, basically double strength. This wrong. The point is that you, by the time you get to the epic heroes, you're meant to have built up your dungeon to a yeah. point where it forces the end of the game. So let's yeah. say we've got an epic hero. He's attracted to clerics and he's got a strength 20. <laughs> he likes pina coladas. And- <laughs> on walks on the beach. Um, you and I, you know, we each have roughly, I don't know, 12, 14, 16 points worth of rooms in our dungeon. Um, and we both have two points of cleric or, you know, in, mm. in our in our dungeon. Um, I might be tempted to play it in such a way that whatever I build doesn't attract that, that particular yeah, hero to my it. dungeon. You build over it. one of your so cleric rooms. So I build over the top so of one of my yeah, clerics yeah. to weaken my cleric position, therefore he's attracted to yours. And so I'm sending him to you in a way, or diverting him to you, so that you potentially yeah. lose health. But then, see, the flip side is you've got spells in this game as well. And they're reactive, um, oh, mostly works. reactive cards. So I might have a card in my, a spell card in my hand that says, right, if someone attacks, you can then play this spell at any point and send them back to the start of your dungeon. So all yeah. of a sudden, my 16-point dungeon is the 32-point dungeon. And that clo- so you can have that yeah, the, take that yeah. yeah yeah okay you do that sure thing no worries buddy <laughs> bam and again there's that unknown there's that push you like and there's that taking a chance aspect yeah yeah um, but I, I uh, look I really enjoyed it I want to play more of it um, I think we should pull that out at games day and uh, yeah give it if a I didn't run. have so many games to play at the next games day <laughs> then uh, yeah what do I want to play Stone Age Descent is a preview for next week I want to play Stone Age Descent Zombicide. Android mainframe. We'll play either Descent or Zombicide. They're, they're quite long games, but um, yeah. Anyway, cool. very good. All right, Cricketers Arms. What did you think? Absolutely loved it. Yeah, I knew you would. I, I... And um, we had a few beers beforehand, so I'm uh, I'm I'm feeling. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just being generous because of that. IPAs are look no, done, done I, well. IPAs are a brilliant beer to drink. So what's IPA? Indian Pale Ale. India Pale Ale. Yeah. Um, and so, so what's different between India Pale Ale and a regular Aussie Pale Ale? Pale Ale? Um, APA. <laughs> <laughs> it's the eye, right? It's all about the eye. Yeah. Um, look, at the end of the day, I think it's how it's brewed because it, it harks back to a time when when the British were occupying India. Um, and and again, this is my very loose reading on IPAs, but it harks back to a time when they were when they were um, effectively uh, occupying India or, or running India as a colony, and they had to brew beer a certain way to to make it drinkable over there. Okay. Um, so uh, a variation in terms of ingredients and the brewing process, and it ultimately results in a fairly unique but recognisable taste. Um, in my to, so to me, most sorry, IPAs, all I can think about is yeah, the British went over there, so. Warm beers, cold pies. Got it. <laughs> in my mind, IPAs are usually uh, they start out with a slight bitter taste, uh, like a bitter, um, but very quickly mellow into something nice and smooth. See, I mustn't have had very good bitters because the only thing I can think about is Victorian bitter, which um, I'd have to put on, you know, my full Ocker Australian accent for the entire episode <laughs> if we ever fucking taste that but, shit. So, but so with this. It I, doesn't. That doesn't taste bitter to me. That's. Um, I get the. I get the very hint of bitterness at the start, but then it mellows very quickly. And I think they refer to it like a what is it a toffee taste? Yeah, it's a, yeah. yeah. That's the mellow bit towards the end of it, and uh, yeah, it's always enjoyable. I don't know. It just. I'm a big fan weird. of cricketers' arms. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to rephrase that? <laughs> I'm a big fan of the cricketers. A big fan of the cricketers' arm brand of beers. <laughs> that's better. 
But brewed locally, um, and a uh, bit hard to argue with that. Slightly strong too, so... So it was brewed locally, it's just the IPA style, is it? Yeah, IPA is now a, a recognised style of beer, like, like <laughs> you know, wheat beer and, yeah. and lagers and anything else, yeah. So what did you think? Yeah, loved it. Yeah. Absolutely loved it. Really, yeah. From the first sip right through to now, I'd say... Um... So I would say... Here's my problem. I underrated Hoogarten. I should have given that a four and a half instead of a five. But because I gave it a four, I'm going to give this a three and a half. It's it's a, a beer I could quite happily... I could grab a six-pack for my yep. night of beers, you know yep. what I mean? Oh, look, maybe it's a bit of a cheat for me because I've drunk this before, so I'm happily going to give this a four. Uh, I know it's good. I like it. It's all right. It's yeah. not like every beer that we've had on the podcast I haven't <laughs> drunk before. <laughs> Very good. Or is that the illusion we're trying to present? I don't know. What are we trying? Are we trying to present an illusion? No, no there's no it's illusion. Just an excuse to drink fucking beer. We drink, beers, we drink, isn't piss, it? We drink yeah. piss and talk about games. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. That's it. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening to us drink piss and talk about games. Um, if you have any comments or feedback, let us know at podcast at another You can also uh, view our how to plays on YouTube, which is there. Google are pricks, right? <laughs> Slight segue. Warning, warning, editorial. <laughs> okay, so our Google Plus name is Another Dungeon. Yep. But we can't have YouTube.com forward slash Another Dungeon because it's too similar to our username. Anyway, so blah, blah, blah. Long story short, you, you have to change it um, unless you are a lot more popular than we are. Anyway, so the way to get to us is anotherdungeon.com forward slash YouTube. That'll redirect to our channel. Um, at the moment, it's got all the Deus Ex Go stuff. Tim is doing a walkthrough um, of Dark Souls 3, which is great fun because Tim, who is the office troll, has a troll who follows him <laughs> and points out every little mistake he makes. It's uh, it's, it's quite amusing. Um, and we also do the how to plays. Paul and I are going to play... Um, well, we have played Boss Monster 2, so I'm going to edit that together once I record the intro and uh, and, and, and the rules. Um, and then after that, I don't know what we're doing after that. Probably well, lanterns, lanterns or something yeah. or... Um, Ticket to Ride is on the cards, you know, because nobody knows how to play Ticket to Ride. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, check us out. Uh, We're also on Facebook, Twitter, etc., etc. Thanks for listening. See ya. Cheers.